When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Hey, episode 21. Happy St. Paddy's Day. Top of the evening to you. Oh, little uh, change of scenery there, but it's it's a it's a great day. You know, one of my favorite days of the year, at least while we were in college, but now we have to be mature and be adults about things. So we're doing a show. It's okay. I, I got my little water here. That's going to get me through the episode. How you doing today, Stefan? I'm good. I would be joining you with a, a water cup there if I didn't have a hockey game at eight o'clock tonight. Hockey is always better when you're hydrated. That's true. That's true. You know what? I exactly. do have I do have a water bottle. So we do have something a fun a fun game we're playing today, Brendan. So I just want to go over the rules, okay? So if you're joining us now and you want to drink, drink responsibly. Responsibly is the key word there. Anytime Brendan says, I completely agree, take a shot. And anytime Stefan says the word granted, or well, granted, this is the way I say it, obviously, chug your drink. So hopefully you're all blacked out by 7 p.m., like our backgrounds a little bit. Whack out on the back check, Brendan. We should make sure it says that. I think they're going to have fun. And I, I completely agree that this is going to be a good episode, too. So we, we got a lot to talk about. I mean, I personally, <laughs> I want everyone that's watching this, that's participating in that back check drinking game, to be as sloshed as Tenorti was after getting crushed by Brandon Tanev yesterday. And we are going to go into... Uh, that hit first, because that's what I want to kick things off with. First of all, I know I made a joke. I really hope Tenorti is okay, that he's back on the ice soon. However, it was not a major penalty. It was a clean hit. The only thing that was dirty about the hit was how was far the, 30, the, ice. the 35 steps he took before he now, crushed it, him? It's a, it's a charge. Okay, it's a prototypical charge. He didn't stride through him. He was able to, he pulled up at the last second. But what people don't realize is, now I don't know what's going through Brandon Tanner's head there. But when I played defense growing up, if I saw somebody with their head down with the puck, my first instinct is beeline to make that play. And hockey's a fast game, moving at fast speeds. you got milliseconds to make decisions. He's just booking it to get across the ice and stop him from having a clean entry into the zone. And sometimes you're going so fast that before you realize how close you are to making that hit, you're still moving. And at the end, you could see him kind of pull up, and he didn't throw him. He pushed him because I think he realized how fast he was going. and. Sure, you could try. You want to get injuries out of the game, 
but just because a player gets injured does not make that a major penalty. So right. to me, to me, the unfortunate thing is, is he wasn't close to the boards, but because of the momentum, he flew into the boards. But to me, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's boarding. That it's not. See, look how far he went from where the hit happened to when he hit the boards. That's just a hockey hit. If they're in center ice and that happens, I guarantee people are less, you know, going crazy about it because yeah. he's not close to the boards. The problem right now, the in- injuries that he went that hard into the boards. I mean, the initial hit probably knocked the wind out of him, but the damage went when he hit the boards for Tanev. The only thing you can think about is he was running to the bank to cash his check because his salary is a high price ticket, and right now he's got to got to get all that. But he looks pretty a, good this year. He does. He does look good, and we, I mean, he'll never be worth what they they signed him for. I'm sorry, it's just it's just never be the case. But it, it's a hit. It's a hockey hit. Again, it's a charging penalty for sure. It's not suspension worthy. I don't think if you're going to call that suspension worthy, then you really got to look back at everything that was missed this year and in the years past, because you have to be consistent with it. So he was, we get a game misconduct yesterday. Yeah. Which is yeah. BS. Trent Frederick yeah. laid the same exact hit on Alexei Lafreniere this season and didn't even get penalized. So how is one not a penalty and one, a, a game misconduct for boarding it wasn't even boarding. Uh, <laughs> it was a brutal call. Brutal. And We've then seen a- Crosby today said it too. He goes, I would like an explanation of how that is a, a major penalty. Speaking of Sidney Crosby, he leads, uh, Active players in the NHL for most points on St. Patrick's Day with seven. There's a little prop bet to toss. Yeah, I mean, do they, they play tonight, right, or no? I have no idea if they play tonight. I know the Rangers do, and, and that's an interesting situation that we'll get into a little later on. Well, tonight, okay, so tonight the Penguins, the Penguins don't play, unfortunately, and kind of shocked. You know who also doesn't play tonight? Who? Their favorite jersey in the entire NHL will not be worn tonight. They, they wore it yesterday. Okay, I was gonna Trust say. Me, I was I was peeping it because I love that St. Pat's jersey. It's gorgeous. No, I know you know it's gorgeous. I, I don't care what anyone says. That is my favorite jersey of all time. I don't know why. There's just something about it that really appeals to me. Are you a big fan of the dentist, Brendan? I know some people like the dentist. Are you Are you a fan of sitting back in the no, chair letting him do work? Okay, the well, well, I hope Taylor Hall likes the dentist because oh my, <laughs> I know he didn't lose. I don't. I know he don't think he lost any teeth. That's well think, done. Thank you. I think I worked really hard on that. I know he didn't lose any teeth, but. First off, you, it's it's been really bad in Buffalo. We're talking about Ralph Kruger fired. Who didn't see that coming? It's been so bad. Hall's been terrible. Skinner's been terrible. The team seems lackadaisical. Like they don't care. And then you get friendly fire from Kyle Miller at the point, right to Taylor Hall's face. And I know Taylor Hall got pushed down, and as the shot's coming, he tried to duck. No, no cigars. He took the shot right to the face. He goes down, obviously, the adrenaline. He, he walks. He gets off the ring, and he comes back. Without so, a face shield. Without a face shield, comes without back. a face shield, you psycho. And we've seen, we've seen, we've seen with concussions, right? That it might take a couple of days symptoms. And someone said they should be keeping a real, real big eye on on Hall because in a few days he might be feeling it. And now, what does this do for the trade deadline? Is he, you know, is he worth it? Again, if he's out, if he has a concussion now and he's out for the rest of the season, or whatever it is, he seems fine. And I think he's going to be fine. I think he just, just him in the mouth. And you're a hockey player. You, I mean, hockey players. Take stuff like that all the time and are fine. So I think he'll be fine. But if he is out, Brendan, this just makes it even worse for the Buffalo Sabres. It, it does. And you can call that that incident, right, that slap shot to the face. You could use the same term to describe that as you could his decision to sign to Buffalo, which is mind-boggling. And I think that it it just makes a makes the case of, hey, you know, it's a domino effect. You shouldn't have gone to Buffalo. You should have gone to Colorado. And their players wouldn't have hit you in the face with the puck. But 
Yeah, when because McKin McKin McCarr, McKinnon, they don't miss the net. No, they just put it right in the top right. But yeah. when you sent me that video, right, I was out to eat. I just got a tattoo, and I'm looking I'm at sorry. my phone. I'm sorry. That's probably not I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, that that's real. And watching it in slow motion is so painful, so I can only imagine watching it at full speed. And did he? how many chicklets did he wind up losing? I didn't see anything go flying on the rink. I didn't see one tooth go flying. I was looking for it. I was like, let me count. And then I, he goes down. I don't see anything. You know, on the re slow replays, you could see like the chicklets fly out. Yeah. Didn't see a thing. And then we got up. I didn't see blood. I saw like a drop or two. I don't know I mean, how. The, the only thing I could think of, if he came back, he has a career in the UFC once he decides to hang up the skates because he's now got think, a chin. Think about it. If his mouth was open, the puck's going right in his throat, right down okay, the street. No, there. that is not happening. <laughs> Yeah, that that is so. just not happening. <laughs> that'd be the first player to swallow puck. That would break your throat, probably. That, that, that's die. probably that's probably death. All right. Well, a Montreal Canadiens player went to the hospital because he blocked the shot off his throat a long time ago. Wound up like collapsing everything in here. He never played yeah, again. It's just not pretty. Hopefully, again, Hall is okay. I know we start the show in such a bad mood, but granted, Drake. Um, <laughs> but granted, you know, you look at the Sabers and. Everybody's available. It has been announced that everyone is available. Now you got to think that Tall's not re-signing there, and he's going to be shipped off wherever they can get the most back for him. Again, if he's not hurt, he'll be, he'll be fine. But if they have to trade Hall, right? It's just such a. I'm sorry to the Saber fans. Honestly, Saber fans drink. If you're watching the show and you're a Saber fan, drink. Yeah, I know you have zero reason, like an extra reason to drink. You probably drink 24 hours a day watching this team play because it's just horrendous. But at the same time, you know, you look at this and it just really can't get worse for the Sabres. Now, for Hall, they need to get as much back as possible. Hall did not help his case for them at all because they could look and say, yeah, Hall's been good in the past. He did nothing alongside Jack Eichel in the games that Jack Eichel has played. What's his value at? His value has never probably been lower this year, I would think, right? Would you agree? So Eichel? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Hall. Taylor Hall's value. Would Correct. you agree? Yes. That it's low. So say it. Taylor Hall's value. No, no, that you completely agree, Brendan. I completely agree. See, Drake, I don't say it that often. That's why you, you get it no, in my you, head. You do. You do. You just don't realize it. Like you often when I say something, you'd be like, oh, I completely agree. As you transition into what you want to talk about. Because I'm trying to end your, your long-winded responses. I like to keep the flow going. But here, cheers to I completely agree. All right. There you go. There you go. Um, so, yeah, the papers – is what it is at this point. It's the dominoes are going to keep falling in the wrong direction until you bring somebody in that has any, you know, intelligent thinking. But there is one good thing they did do, Brendan. What'd they do? Oh, the Sabres? They yeah, fired they their head coach, them. Ralph Kruger. <laughs> and with that firing, their assistant coach got promoted to head coach, and there was an opening on the bench. And Rangers beauty Dan Girardi comes in. I actually love that move because we see it a lot over the history of the NHL that in any sport, really, the players that never were the flashiest, that kind of played the way that you're supposed to play and knew the game, were able to read the game, make the best coaches. It's why in MLB, catchers are always the best managers because they know the game like the back of their hand. Same thing could be said with Dan Girardi because that guy, he was undrafted. He knew what he had to do to make the NHL and knew how to play and wound up being a top-flight defenseman for the Rangers defensively, at least. Never put up those points, but he knew how to block shots, get in the lanes, and play solid regardless of any fancy stat you throw at me. I know there's salty Rangers fans that didn't like him grow up. He was great for the Rangers, and he's going to be a very good assistant coach. And I'm jealous that he's behind the Sabres bench and not the Rangers bench. And one thing to talk about with Girardi is the fact that he's a competitor. 
And right now, the Sabres don't have a compete level at all. We saw the other day, TJ Oshie pretty much closed his eyes and said, okay, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And you see, honestly, the defense I saw by the Sabres on that play. Like that. Was what I see in men's league on a nightly basis. You ever read the book, Three Blind Mice? That's what that looked uh, like. Yes. I, no, it, it was, you're watching and going, it's, it's sadder to think that it's a skill issue. Like, if it's one thing if you're not trying and that happens. But, That's you know, an effort you, issue, not a skill no, but issue. You watch the replay, and the effort's not there, but, like, in the back of my head, if they are trying, I, if I'm them, I'd rather say it was a lack of effort because if they are in fact trying and that's what they did on Oshi, first off, what it's it's not roller hockey. Why are they not taking the body on him? His head is down with the puck. That's what I'm saying. It's an effort issue because as soon as Dalian tried to use the body and Oshi made a good board move, so then he cuts to the front. I, I think it was Eric Stahl that was in front, tried to poke it and go the other way. Yes, and yes. But so you guys you watch, did the exact same. Move. That's what I'm saying. After you watch the first two guys get beat, that third guy. There's no doubt in your mind that I can't be getting beat again. You got to just step in his way. Take him down, do something, take a penalty. He cannot walk three people. Not even that. So, Oshi walks three people, and nobody guards Backstrom back door who just goes tap. Because they were enjoying the game. They're enjoying the view. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're like, they're wow, all- look at what this team could do. We've lost 12 straight. I'm going to be on ESPN's uh, Sports Center's top, top 10 plays. That's what they oh, were thinking. We got it. I'm glad you just brought up ESPN because we talked about them getting a TV deal. And I was watching the ESPN the other day, and Barry Melrose is still their hockey guy. Somebody Why? has to replace Why? him. Why? Has to replace him. Well, the reason he's on there is because he got let go from every other place. I know, but now that the NHL has a deal with them, Don you would think that they would want – no, no way. <laughs> I think Kevin Weeks might go to ESPN. I think that will be a good one. Can they work? They can't work for both, though, right? They they would have to. No, they can't no, work for NHL cool. ever. You get cut. I mean, ESPN is going to offer a little more money than I think the NHL Network. Can. Oh, for sure. Well, like I said, they need to take the NHL from the depths of hell on their website and put them at least on the top column. Because when I go, so every day I do a daily article thing where I got to read articles. First off, when the league announced that the deal with ESPN, I was like, okay, I'll go to ESPN and find an article for the thing. ESPN did not release one article about the deal with NHL. Not one article was released from, on the NHL tab about the deal. No, they definitely did. No, not that. So let's say it happened on a Monday, whatever day it was. So I, my article was Tuesday morning. By Tuesday morning, after the deal was made Monday, there was no article. Now, there could have been an article after the fact, days later. But it, when it was announced and officially announced by ESPN, there was not a single article about it. Probably came in the next coming days, but I didn't see one. And again, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm not the best looking for these things, but I was very, very shocked. I'm not. I wasn't shocked. It's the NHL and ESPN. They have a a really but bad been covering it. I know, but you would think they would have an article about it for people to read and learn about, but they didn't. Well, NHL.com. I mean, they, they, they put out a press release and social media posts. So in today's day and age, that might be better than writing something for viewership for them. You got to remember, they only write things that pertain to them. Like they've released article news about the league and everything. But a television deal where they're not fully exclusive, it might be better off served as a post as opposed to an article. Yeah, I mean, NHL.com, NBCSN, I don't know if they had one. TSN had one. So obviously the major hockey places had it. So I guess ESPN thought, yeah, why are we going to waste our uh, yeah. our typing ability on that? But uh, moving on, I guess we'll go to the Islanders now, which it has just been a phenomenal week to be an Islander fan, let me tell you. So, 
Okay, let's talk about last night first. Last night, Islanders uh, win streak snaps at nine games, point streak snaps at 12 games. It's a 3-1 loss to the Capitals, and they shot themselves in the foot, plain and simple. They came out on fire, making a statement in the first period, and it's 0-0 going to the locker room. And Barry Trotz said after the game that he thought his boys deserved a, a goal at least to come out in the first period with the lead. They could not beat Samson off at all. They had the chances, and, you know, the Islanders had an issue where they don't capitalize on chances. No pun intended there. But the Capitals are capitalized. But You're on fire today. On fire. But granted. Oh. Um, but granted, you have to find a way to come through. You just have to. And they couldn't get goals. Bovillia had chances. Nelson had chances from the slot. All that fun stuff. They couldn't buy a goal. I go to the second period and the Islanders have been notorious for being terrible during the second period. It was another awful period as well. They took penalties. Matt Barzell gets cross-checked. By, I forgot who it was. I think it was Kuznetsov. He gets cross-decked in the back. And Kuznetsov's stick breaks. No call. Later on in the period in the shift, Barzal gets interfered with a little bit and retaliates. Who do they call? They call the penalty on Barzal. They always get the second guy, yeah. Exactly, they always do. Allen is already losing at this point, and the Capitals score a power play goal. Oh, Ovechkin had a night. He's breaking records left and right. And for the fact that you can't give a power play, multiple power plays, four power plays to a Washington Capital team because he will lose. That was a dumb penalty by Barzal. He was benched. He didn't. He took him about, I think, five or six minutes to play in the third period. Genius and, to do that when you're you're down in a game that you, you want to win. But this is something that's not new with Barzal. First off, the refs know Barzal retaliates when he doesn't get things to go his way. So they're looking for it. I don't understand... Again, people are on Twitter. I, right when he took the penalty, I said, you should be benched for this. I got so many people going, you can't bench your best player. What is wrong? It's never going to happen. Oh, yep. Barry Trotz, from my mouth to try, or my tweet to, to, to Trotz's ears, he was benched. And I think it's the correct move. It doesn't matter. You know, you're down and you need your best player on the ice, but he wasn't playing his best. Get a sloppy turnover that led doesn't to an matter. rush. It doesn't matter. Sit. That's a bad coaching decision. I'm sorry. That's a terrible coaching decision, especially on a team that it looks like they have trouble to score. So you got to put your best guy out there. He was out there in the final minutes when they needed a goal. So what kind oh, of message is oh, that? Oh, he played anyway? better, obviously. Yeah, but it's the fact that he, Trotz needs to get Brazil to understand that it's not going to be tolerated. He's, he's not going to change the way he plays when he's going to make money has. no matter what. No, but see, the thing is, Barzal, after issues earlier in the year where he was taking penalties and leading the team in penalties, he was fine. He's been great. But what did he just he's do? Been, he relapsed. So I'm saying he's never going to fully change his game. He's going to play a little smarter, but you can't bench him. I'm well, sorry, you can't bench I, him. I disagree. You got to make a statement there. You have oh, to. You Bellows was also best benched. Bellows was also benched. Bellows, you can't compare Bellows and Barzal. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm just no, stat no fact. Bellows was benched for a while. Now I can go with that. I don't. I mean, I really don't want to talk more about the Capitals because they beat themselves. And the thing was, you had a few turnovers. Capitals. Buried on those opportunities. The Islanders had their chances and they did it. And that's the moral of the game. They put the Flyers now three times Thursday, Saturday, and Monday. Team the Flyers have been struggling as of late to play defense. You're going to get your chances. You got to find a way to bury. Uh, I'll sign guy always here. No, I guess it's not a positive day for him, but hopefully he's staying positive. Who will the Islanders pursue now? Andrews Lee's out for the season. Now, we we talked about it last episode on Monday. You got options. Taylor Hall is out there. Forsberg's out there. Palmieri's out there. We spoke, though, and I think we all came to an agreement that Eric Stahl and the Sabres would be the best fit 
to play the style that Andersley plays. A body in front, a winner, good on the power play. He's just responsible, and he's, he's won the Stanley Cup before. That's the biggest thing. He knows what it takes. Now, with the news that Lee is out for the rest of the season, the regular season, the playoffs, we'll be back for next season. It's hard to say the Islanders have power in the trade because teams know they need, they're, they're going to try to fill this void. You know, if he was coming back for the playoffs, you could say, listen, we want a player to come in here, but we're not willing to give up a ton because Lee's going to be back. This is going to be a complimentary piece we're trying to get. Lee's going to be back. Now that Lee's not back, all the NHL teams know, oh, they need a scorer. They're, they're probably going to be in trouble in the long haul. Not that they can't make the playoffs and play well and they get through the first couple of rounds, but if they want to win and put themselves over the top, it's not, I'm sorry, it's not going to be the group they have right now, especially with a lot of veterans not stepping up and Josh Bailey, who has been invisible, but Villiers struggling immensely this year. So, all right, so serious question. Yeah. With Lee out, do you think that they are still Stanley Cup contenders? No. Uh, I, I don't. And the reason being is it's just the goal scoring has been a major issue in the past. And we saw in the playoffs it took a spike, 3.0 goals per game. Lee was great. The second line was great. This year, second line has been terrible. Brock Nelson scores, but apparently he only scores when they're up a man. The top line's been great. You just took the top line and your leading scorer out of the lineup for the rest of the season. Boy. Your third line in Peugeot has been struggling, and your fourth line is offensive-based this year a little more, but they can't be your best offensive line, and people have to step up. The defense has been great, but Varlamov, you know, he looked good last night. Sorokin and him have both been a little shaky with the weak goals as of late. If you can give weak goals, you got to score. And if you're not going to, like you said, yesterday against the Capitals, they had the chances to score. Santanov played well, but they could have easily had three or four goals going into the second period, which again, they have the lead in this game. They probably win the game. The problem is they're getting frustrated. They were taking stupid penalties and they lost. So I'm going to stand out here and say they are not cup contenders. So unless the reason those guys I asked that, the reason I asked that is because that's what's going to be going through the GM's head when he's looking at a trade. If you told him that Anders Lee will be back for the playoffs, the trading situation becomes different. If exactly. you tell him he's out for the whole season, do I hemorrhage a little more to get somebody like a Forsberg to come on in who I know will help and mesh with Barzal and he'll make up for those scoring woes that Lee's out, but are we good enough to win the cup and is that going to hurt us in the future or do we just wash this year, unfortunately, wait for Lee to come back and then make a move in the offseason? So, so that's the decision that's going to have to be made. No, and I agree. And Lamarillo said today he had a um, press conference today and he said that it's more likely they'd probably go for a rental, but anything's on the table. And now the reason I think he says that is not because he actually believes that. He wants to get the GM's minds thinking about, oh, okay, they might be interested in this player when they weren't before. and get They're going to get calls. Their prospect pool isn't deep, but a guy like Bellows. Wallstrom is untouchable to me. I You just, uh, given what he did, he's got his sixth goal of the season last night, but it's not even the fact that he scores goal. I mean, that's always a plus. He doesn't think before he shoots. He just shoots the puck. And the Islanders have not had a guy like that that gets the puck on a stick in the slot and thinks, I'm just going to shoot this. They always wait a second too long. They pass the puck or they miss the net. This guy Walsh knows how to hit the net with precision. He's scoring goals in the slot. He looks like a menace on the power play. When he gets more comfortable on the power play in the OB spot, that's where he's lining up for take those slappers. And if he becomes a force like that, you cannot move on from a player like this. I'd be much more comfortable. Bellows has been great. Don't get me wrong. The ceiling for Wallstrom to me is just way too high at 20 years old. And you move on from Bellows, draft picks, whatever you have to do. But Wallstrom is untouchable. Yeah, I wouldn't trade Wallstrom. He's a controllable asset right now that is proving that he's going to be a good NHL player. So why move him? And I, I, the only thing that I would suggest is if you're going to trade Bellows, 
Are you willing to give up Bellows for a player like Stahl? See, um, I okay. This is, the only reason I would is if you get Andrew Ladd's deal in there. If you get Andrew Ladd's contract, if you trade Ladd Bellows and a, uh, I don't know, let's say a third or fourth round pick, you get Stahl and a pick. Let's say a third round pick. You got it. the only way I would trade Bellows if, if for Stahl is if Ladd's involved because you have to get rid of that contract. That's the only way you could think about it and go. Okay, that were that you know, Bellas for Stahl straight up probably doesn't make a lot of sense given Stahl's age as much as you want the guy. But if you get Lads deal involved in there, I see that as a win to me. And Bellows hopefully has a great career in Buffalo and he's not a menace against the Islanders. But at the same time, that's the only way I could see that working. You could give up other players for Stahl, I think, that lower prospects. But again, I would be fine with giving up Bellows and Lad for Stahl if that trade was made today. It's interesting. I mean, it's really interesting because just, just cap reason at all. Again, I don't think I think Bellows for Stall straight up is very dumb. You could use that prospect in a draft pick to get somebody else. It's probably the, a lot the younger. The won't do Bellows for Stall straight up. It doesn't do anything for him. No, no. I'm saying though, from an Islander standpoint, you're not going to give up a prospect like Bellows just for Stall straight up. You could probably go get Bellows and a pick some for someone that's younger, probably more controllable stuff like that. But if Lad is involved. You got, if anyone calls saying, I'll give you this player for this player, um, what do you want us to take from you? And you say, Lad, and they say, deal. You got, you got to do it because right now, who's taking Lad's deal? There are I, very few teams that will. I just want to correct myself. I said the Sabres wouldn't do it. The Islanders wouldn't do Bellows for Stahl straight That's up. A, yeah, it no. doesn't make sense. But The Sabres would. The Sabres would, yes. I, yeah. I said the wrong team there. Uh, I, I look at it. I think that if you're going to – Everyone was saying Paul Mary on our thing. I don't think the Devils are going to give Paul Mary to the Islanders for a good deal at all. I think that they got green from them last season, and now the the Devils are in a situation where they're going to be up and coming. They don't want to have to compete with the Islanders every single year for year in and year out. So if they're going to give you Paul Mary, it's going to have to be for a price that you don't expect to pay for a guy like that. So to me, that's not an option for the Islanders who are not trying to hemorrhage the future as we've talked about so far. So I think Buffalo has a good trade piece. Nashville has a very good trade piece. We talked about Ricard Raquel over text. Could they go for him? I think that's going to be a little steep. It's going to be similar to a price of Forsberg. And if you're going to pay a price like that, I'd rather go after Forsberg because he's a proven proven threat every single season. Um, it's I, I very much am intrigued by this and how it's going to play out. And the fact that Lee is actually out for the full season, it definitely puts them in an odd situation. And listen, we talked about the stretch that's coming up. They played the Capitals in the first game. Capitals were on a back-to-back. They beat the Islanders. Their second games against the Flyers. Flyers are going to be on a back-to-back. If they lose that, it's it's head scratching time now, and it's it's going to be a, a battle for them to to finish in that top four, let alone the top two. I would bet a trade is made. Lamarilla will make a trade. We don't don't know how significant it will be, but going back to your Palmieri point, if the Devils trade him, it's probably going to be out of this East Division again. You don't want him to come back to buy you. The thing is, though, whoever trades for Palmieri, it's a rental. Correct. So, for again, with leaving out for the regular season and the playoffs, the leverage is gone. A team like the Devils could say, "You really need someone to fill the void. We're in control." And Islanders really have. Not, it's like it's like we were. I forgot what team we were talking about where the leverage was just gone. It's all about that because Palmieri could be weaker than what you. Let's say they asking for a first overall pick. I'm making it up. Let's say they ask for a first overall pick. Islanders might not view him as a first overall pick, but the Devils know that they're desperate. And when you're a desperate team. Sometimes you, you might be forced into making a trade you don't want to make. And again, the Islanders don't want to hemorrhage their future 
by being forced into a trade. Now, I trust Lamarillo. He's been around forever. He knows the tricks and trades. He knows what teams are going to try to do to him. And he's a veteran. So pretty much, he's looking down on them and going, you're not going to do this to me. But you never know. You never know when a trade becomes available last second. When you've seen the Islanders try to make trades right at 3 o'clock or whatever the deadline is, like last year, they couldn't get yep. the Parise deal in, in time. Now, it probably helped. You know, that would have been lag going the other way. We don't know how that would have panned out, but they missed it. They didn't get it in, in time. I expect Lamarillo's been getting calls, and he'll get calls throughout the entirety of the day for X player, X player, X player. And I'm going to throw another thing out there. Anthony Revilli is an RFA. He has done nothing this season. Nothing. And given the Islanders' cap issues, could you package Bavillier in a deal for somebody? Young player, streaky player, exactly what I was thinking. A deal for Nashville. Bavillier might not be a player that people are thinking about that, hey, could go the other way. Right now, what if he proven to you that he deserves the little money the Islanders do have to come back? Let's say Bellis finds a way to stay hot. The only thing thing that keeps him here is the fact that his contract is going to be a lot less than something they would bring in. And in a flat cap with the contracts that they have to deal with, it might make sense to keep him, but <laughs> I I would toss him in a trade for Forsberg 100% of the time. Well, the problem is the Islanders have so many players that are streaky. And it's great when you're going well with a streaky player, but you also see the side effects of when it's not. Josh, The whole second line, Josh Bade, Brock Nelson, Anthony Nevillier, all streaky players. They're all streaky. So when they're all not playing well, it's a problem because it's awful. And I can get on Josh Bailey's case. I've been someone who, through all the heat Josh Bailey has gotten, I tried to support the guy because I don't think it's his fault. Early on in his career, he was up and down in the minors. He really wasn't ready. It messes with you. Yep. We saw what, what he was capable of in the playoff. And now there's a ceiling. And he's not playing. He's in the basement. Ceiling's up there. He's in the basement. He just doesn't do anything. He's not hard on the stick. He doesn't elevate his game. And game last night uh, against the Capitals. That's a team where your best players or veteran players have to find an, an extra gear. And he just didn't bring it. And he's on the power play unit. He plays minutes. Trotz talked about how he does more than meets the guy. He's a very smart player, all that stuff. And again, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not on the rink watching exactly. I don't know what he's thinking. But it's been worrisome where he probably should not be on the second line. I'd be so fine if the honors went second line, third line. Third line, bring up the second line. Because Wallstrom and Pajot, everyone wants to talk about Wallstrom playing with Barzal. Which is great. It'd probably work out immensely. But you're seeing Wallstrom playing very well with Pajot. I know Pajot's struggled. But just being on the ice with Pajot and that line, whoever's on the third line winger, whether it be Dal Cole, Komarov, Sarnik, Wallstrom has found a way to play well with these guys, even if they're not impacting the scoreboard directly. So do you want to now take a third line where Wallstrom has produced, again, on the power play as well, but Wallstrom's producing... Wallstrom can play any spot because he only scores on the power play. He's a power play specialist right now. Very rarely do you see him making his own shots five on five. He's got a couple no, of beautiful no, goals five on five, but he's a power play specialist. So but you're telling treat- me you put him on the second line, he's not going to score? Oh, no, I agree. But I would say if I'm moving him up, I would make I would move him up with Peugeot. I like the way they play with each other. I'm saying, again, at the end of the day, you want Barzell with Wallstrom. I think that's the end goal for everybody. But right now, good. when... Well, they're not. There's a reason that Bellas is playing with Barzal, and again, that might change after Bellas being benched. Uh, Like the the coaching moves here don't make sense to me. Well, I think it's the fact that the whole point of finding the third line, which is what you're going to play with, which pretty much was Pajot and Bellas, and then you rotate the third guy in, is to keep get chemistry, and they made chemistry. They have chemistry now, and then Andrews Lee goes down, and rather than change all the lines and mess with them, 
they wanted to keep lines intact. Second, third, and fourth line have stayed intact. Bellows comes to the top line. I think the whole point was the Islanders want to roll. You're not going to really change anything if it's if you don't have to. So they'd say, okay, Bellows was scoring. Might as well keep him on the top line. Keep Wallstrom as a third winger, a third line winger, where he's going against the worst defenseman. He's probably not going against the top. That top defensive pairing is going against Barzell. And it paid off. But now after the game we saw against the Capitals where every players were struggling to score, Bellows didn't play well, I would be completely fine with saying, okay, Wallstrom, get a bump up. But not when they were winning. When they're winning and getting points, why are you going to change it? Yep. All right. So we're going to go to a quick minute commercial break. We'll be back in 60 seconds. When we get back, we got a couple of questions about the Rangers. We'll dive into that and we'll do a little uh, breakdown of the East Division standings and at the halfway point right now. So don't go anywhere. Hey, everybody. It's Brendan here. Do you have old jerseys? What about old hockey equipment? Rather than throw these items out, our friends over at Alternite would love to have them. This nonprofit converts jerseys into reusable face masks. The same face mask the New York Rangers wore in the bubble this past postseason. The old equipment you donate will be given to less fortunate children throughout the state. It doesn't matter what team you root for. Let's all come together to make a difference and grow the sport of hockey. To learn more, head to altronite.com. That's altronite.com. Hey guys, Stefan here. Each night on Long Island, 180,000 residents will go hungry, 39% of which are kids who have no ability to control their situation. Our friends over at Long Island Hockey Co. are trying to help as many families as possible. Each hat sold on their website will provide 50 meals for food insecure Long Islanders. Head to longislandhockeyco.com and let's help the people in our community. All right, everybody, welcome back to the back check. Brendan and Stefan here. And we got a couple of fan questions quick that are related to the Rangers, which will be our next topic. The first is from Isle Sign Guy again. Brendan, do you feel the Rangers will make the playoffs? And if so, how far do they advance? I've answered this before. I'll answer it again. Simple, short, sweet, no. All right. Well, I don't think they make the playoffs. I think that, you know, granted, um, I'm just going to throw that word out there to get you hammered. Uh, you know, you understand it's a rebuild, and you would hope that they would rebuild quicker. And again, it's been about the veteran leadership. If the veterans stepped up early in the season, this team is going. This team would be a borderline playoff team. Not even about that anymore. They can't even. Step, they can't get out of their own way when it comes to what's going on outside of the organization. You, you go on a little bit of a run. You get Panarin back. You look good. All of a sudden, Fox Buchnevich are out. Fox Buchnevich are out. Kincaid looks good. Kincaid can't make a pass in OT. That was one of the most horrendous passes I've ever seen a goaltender make in my life outside of Georgiev's little debacle early on in the season. We know what happened after that. So now now you get Fox and Buchnevich come off the COVID list and your whole entire coaching staff goes on it, which might be a blessing in disguise. We don't know yet. But at the same time, how? Who, what, what kind of tests are they using that two players at a time, two coaches at a time can test positive? but everybody else is fine to play a game. Uh, the whole system to me is moronic, but we're not going to get into that. And I just think that they're not making the playoffs. They're eight points out. It's They don't have the consistent ability to play. And with Shesterkin being out for as long as he's going to be, it's impossible for them to get the goaltending they need to make the playoffs and make a run. And Yuriyev plays tonight. Yeah. God bless. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next question is from SJ Mins. How will the coaching situation impact the Rangers tonight? Kind of. Brought that up a little bit. I think now. I think it benefits them. I really do. I think that 
it's just tough. it's a new look. Obviously, they're going to try to. You know, obviously, Quinn's talking to them and figuring out what to do. But Quinn has made his handful of mistakes. We talked about delayed game penalties and that kind of stuff, right? That happened because of the coaching staff. Now, a new coaching staff might mean there might be more because you have to get used to it. But at the same time, you know, this is a chance for some players to impress the Hartford coaching staff. Not that it matters for them because they're not going to go down. But you also have a lot of, you know, the Rangers have young guys who have played maybe a couple of games or seasons in Hartford that are now up with the club that know their coaching staff and maybe understand it a little bit more. And it might be a comfortable factor. But for the Rangers, the biggest thing is just, you can see 100% effort. Yep. And I don't think you've gotten that often. And it's just get back to what defense is what has been their strong suit all year. And we saw last game was probably Keandre Miller's what worst game of the season of his career. Probably wasn't, yeah. a, wasn't a great one. And he had Kincaid and go and he allowed a bad mistake. The goal that was sniped in on him can't go in. I'm sorry. I just can't. Uh, what was that on the power play or yeah, fire be shot on the power play. Yeah, well, that I mean, sweet shot, sweet shot. Don't get me wrong. Completely sweet shot. I mean, but the you fact also that had Julian Godier, who had an amazing goal, but also had two double minor high sticking penalties, wound up in the box for eight minutes and they scored twice when he was in the box. So everything he did good, he, he counteracted it. I mean, it's just discipline and consistency and we consistency, consistency. That should have been the word we put in our drinking game because that's really what it is. When you have a young team that comes down to it, you need consistency from everybody, not even scoring. You don't need scoring from everybody at all times, but you need the players to be responsible and play consistent. And they don't get that. And when Capo Caco is going 16 games without a goal, I mean, what's going on here? Put the puck in the net. I love the way he plays. I think that this season he's looked phenomenal. He's taking the puck off of everybody's stick. He's making moves. He's doing everything. You got to start to finish. It comes down to where you got to score a goal. We didn't draft you second overall to sit around and, and pirouette on the outside, finish your chances. You got to score. It hurts more watching what Jack Hughes is doing. I'm sorry. It's just he's not no. even doing anything that spectacular. No, but uh, no, but the way the confidence that he's playing and the the, the ability that he he's plays. showing. He plays. Capo Caco didn't see the ice in OT against the Flyers. Yeah, that I makes see. no sense to me. I- I'm sorry. It doesn't make sense. So maybe Knobloch will put him out, the, uh, the the head coach, for a day. All right. Our next question also from SJ Mintz uh, uh, that we watched. We got that one already. It's this one. Will the Rangers finally make a move for Bergeron-type center this offseason? I'm going to say no because the only Bergeron-type center in the league is Bergeron, um, and he's not going anywhere. I do think they're going to look for a center. Uh is Jack Eichel somebody that's going to be dealt to them in the offseason? Depends on what the Rangers are willing to give up. I think that they will try to bring in a number two center. I don't think that Philip Edel is ready for that jump face-off wise, but I do think they should give him a chance. So as, in terms of going after an elite, elite center, the only one I could see them going after is Jack Eichel. And if that doesn't work out, I could see them bringing in like a 2A and Edel being that 2B and, and kind of rotating like that. So no Bergeron yeah. type center. The only other type center in the league that's Bergeron type, and his name is Jonathan Taves, and he's not going anywhere. No, so the f- there's another one. Very underappreciated player. Nick Backstrom? No. He's up there, too. He's, he's a good player. Um, hmm. A defensive def- defensive center is what you're referring to? Numerous what? lady things. <sighs> Give me the division. He's now playing in the... West this year, Pacific usually. I'm not going to get it. So Ryan O'Reilly. Okay. Duh. Holy. Yep. 
That's a, that's a doozy. But he's not going anywhere either. No, he's so, a captain now. So I don't consider Jack Eichel a defensive center by mm-hmm. any means at all. But he'd be a great fit for the Rangers. They should go after him. But I don't think the Rangers need a defensive-minded center. I think that their defense, when they step up, has been good. They just need their players to play well. If their offense, they could use it. I I don't think they need a defensive-minded guy. I mean, this offense should be a lot better than they are. Now, do they need an offensively gifted center? Probably, technically speaking, no. Does Eichel help them a lot? Yeah, it's because their centers are everyone's struggling to score. You don't don't need a defensive-minded center because that's what Brett Howden does. And it's it's also, though, centers, defensive-minded center is one thing. Most centers play very strong positionally on the ice. They they know where to be in the middle. They make plays, but they're also they're not just because you're an offensive center doesn't mean you're not good in your own zone. It's just the fact that Patrice Bergeron and Jonathan Taves just and Ryan O'Reilly just go that extra step, and they're like a, a third defenseman on the ice. That's what separates them. Most centers play really well in their zone. Uh, even Barzal gets back and uh, back checks hard and makes plays now and again. And those guys like that, they do that. That's part of their job is to play more defensive minded at times. The wingers are the ones that go up and make the plays in the offensive zone and create. The center is just there to facilitate and play smart positionally. So again, anyone would help the Rangers right now. They just need they they need scoring. I really didn't think I would be saying that at this point of the season. No, they they definitely do. And I mean even the game they scored four goals in, they wound up giving up five and it was a back and forth affair. Their their top players are starting to look better. Zabanajed looks good. He's just not finishing any of the chances he would, but he's picking up assists. Kreider had a golden chance to give them a two goal lead and, and uh, our, our goal lead at that point would have wound up being a two-goal lead, but he got robbed by Carter Hart. He usually finishes those. Uh, I mean, there's just chances like that. Like, that was a 3-on-0 in front oh, with Artemi yeah. Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, and Chris Kreider. You can't really handpick a better trio <laughs> to be on a 3-on-0, and it doesn't go in. I think that was just the perfect, perfect summary of the Rangers' season so far and, and how it's just they're that close and that far at the same time. And it's sad. It's sad, and they're playing a Flyers team tonight on national TV, and I can tell you right now, with everyone healthy, it's going to wind up being a close game, close game, close game. Rangers fans are going to be on the edge of their seat thinking there's a chance, and somehow, some way, they're going to mess it up. And if they don't, I'll be pleasantly surprised. The one other thing I will say about that game is the fact that the Rangers got complacent. They got the lead. They were so happy about it, and they just they – just, didn't play well enough after that. And they go to overtime. Wasn't there, um, was there a review late in the game or it was a late goal that was waved off, right? For offsides or something. Doesn't, wasn't the goal they uh, scored? Hayes' goal to take the lead was waved late. off. It was waved yeah. off. Yeah. So they caught a break there, but that would probably, get, that game could have been a loss. No, I didn't catch a break though. What'd you bet? I bet the Flyers minus one and a half. And then you live bet the And Rangers. then I live bet the Rangers. That's a, that's and the Flyers won by one in OT. Yeah, that's um, it happens, Brennan. So you don't bet on your favorite team. Well, <laughs> nothing nice worked one. out. Nothing, nothing worked out. Uh, one question before we move on. Some other stuff from Isle Song guy again. Do you believe the Islanders will hoist the cup one last time this year at the barn? Uh, no. Unless, unless they make a worthwhile trade where they get a superstar in here to really help carry the hole that Lee leaves behind, and then another step. You just you're losing too many. You know Dobson's out with COVID. When does he come back? He's um, Lee's out. The second line hasn't been good. There's a lot of things this needs to do. They dominated the bad teams in the division. They dominated this test right here. This this stretch of games against the Capitals, the Flyers. They played the better teams moving forward in a tough 
March and April, they can't play 500 hockey. They have to make a statement that they can beat those teams. And if they don't, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to beat any team in this division with what's going on with the Islanders right now. They just have to find a way. But, you know, I don't want to say that it's not possible. I'd love to see it. Don't get me wrong. I've never seen them win a cup. And to do it on the Coliseum the last year would be magical. Would be. But it's going to take, again, you look at what they did last year, who they had and who was playing well. They had Lee. They had a healthy fourth line, which has been healthy this year, but they had a healthy fourth line. They had a second line that was carrying the workload. With the first line healthy, the second line was carrying the workload. Your second line's been non-existent. Barzal now is without Lee. You got a lot of young guys in, and they could be really good in the regular season, but the playoffs, whole new animal. Does it take them a little bit of time to adjust to the playoff style of hockey? Again, those are this is a younger, you know, this is an island team that's not young, you know, average age-wise. They had a, they had a lot of young guys in the lineup that it might be a tough transition when they play team like the Lightning. They might get bullied. And who's better? It doesn't mean they're going to play the Lightning again, but it's not, it's not a might. They will. I mean, yeah. Even even how dominant they've been against the Bruins this year. The playoffs teams. Some teams just know how to get it. Look at the Penguins, for example. They always have this slow regular season, and they turn up at the right time, and they do great things. Now they're on their way down. I believe that they're they're not juggernauts in the division anymore, and they've been playing hot as late. I think they're now in the top ten for the power rankings, but. Just some teams find a way to turn up in the playoffs. I don't think that if the Islanders play the Bruins in the playoffs and they let them, they sweep them at the end of this year, that it's going to be an easy walk in the park series. <laughs> it's just not. Players, veteran players that have won, again, this Bruins team has won before, know what it takes to get the job done. And for the Islanders, who have made the playoffs more often than not over the last couple of years, are still not a team that are a veteran playoff team. And it does take time. The Lightning, you saw the Lightning, they had a year where they, they lose to the Blue Jackets and it stuns them. No one saw that coming. They came back and they found a way to get the job done in the playoffs and play very well. So it's just about the biggest thing is Islanders have to go into the playoffs with momentum. You can't go into the playoffs 0-3 and 4. You just can't. That's what they did last year. They, if they, there was no break, they probably have a rough time getting out of the second round, maybe even the first round. But they got the break and it benefited them. They got healthy. That was the biggest thing. Pelic was back. You know, you solidified your defense again and found that that guy. But again, this season is going to be a lot harder to do with the losses they've had and the young guys in the lineup to go against those top teams that have done it before. Correct. I mean, listen, it's it's something that I don't think is going to happen this year. The elite injury definitely impacts that tremendously, regardless of who they can bring in. He was he was having a very solid year, and there there's just too much depth. Like you look at the standings right now, the top was the top six teams are all Eastern conference teams in a typical season, right? And, and they're all going to wind up having to beat each other at some point, whether it's in their own division or in that four seed, uh, the, the final four where they have to reseed. But Tampa Bay and Florida both have 42 points in their first in the league. Uh, they're, well, there's 42 points. There's four teams tied. Tampa Bay's technically first. Then it's Florida, Washington, the Islanders, right? So four of those teams, each of them is going to have to play the other one to get to the final four. So either way, right now, if the playoffs started, there's going to be one, two of the top four teams eliminated before the final four. I mean, that's how competitive these divisions are going to be. Then you throw in Carolina in there, so that central is loaded, right? You got Pittsburgh not too far behind. So it's is whatever team wins the cup is going to have to gruel and grind their way to get there. Do the Islanders have the ability to score enough to get over that? I don't know. Okay. And, that's the question. 
The other question is, I was listening to the Capitals broadcast yesterday, and I, I think that they said Varlamov is like 500 on the road, but dominant at home. I mean, every, I mean the owners have not lost again in regulation on home ice yet. No, I, I know that. But so outside of that, he's they're 500 on the road. So if you wind up going into a place where, say, they go on a stretch, they finish the end of the season in third. Yeah. Now you're going on the road four times. Are you going to be able to win and steal a game on the road without giving up one on home ice? That's another factor that's going to come in. So I think with all those put together, could do they have the talent, the, the structure, everything to go on a run? Yes. Do I think they have enough to win the cup? No. And Again, that's not they, even a biased take. I'm just I'm saying that with a hockey lens. There are just teams like the Lightning, which we saw last year, that just out. You know, you could be a really great team. The thing that the Islanders were missing before everyone got hurt, whatever it was, they were one sniper superstar away from being a going from that good team to a great team. Yep. They were missing that one guy. The Lightning, up and down the lineup, they are a elite team because they have elite guys on defense, elite guys on offense, and elite goaltending. Islanders have elite goaltending. I will say the Islanders have elite defense. The problem is in the playoffs, where goal scoring is hard to come by. You only get a couple of chances each game. And those teams that have the elite forwards score on a higher percent chance when they get those opportunities where the Islanders miss the net. And in games where you don't get a lot of chances, again, against a Lightning team where the chances are going to be slim, if you don't make the most of your opportunity, you will lose every game. Because Lightning, when you make a mistake, Lightning will bury. And that's what the difference is. Now, the Islanders right now are not just one sniper away from being an elite team because they lost guys. They lost Lee for the rest of the season. Dobson's out. The players aren't playing as well as they did last year. If they were all healthy and they got hauled the deadline and they didn't have to give up a guy that's in their lineup right now, unless it was Bellows or whatever, elite team. Problem is, that's not going to be the case. Whoever they fill is going to fill Lee's 12 goals that he has in the season that was leading before he got hurt. And now they're back to what they were last year where they're a really good team. They're just missing that one piece, which would have been Lee back in the lineup, which they're not going to get. It's I, unfortunate. I would argue and say they don't have elite goaltending, but no, okay. I wouldn't say elite goaltending, but their goaltending, I think they have good enough goaltending because their defense is so good to win a cup. So they don't need a yeah, elite so that's, net minor. That's correct. Uh, it's just Strength. you've seen too many goaltenders. No, I didn't say completely agree. Um, now I did, <laughs> but the they don't have like you've seen too many goaltenders come into that system and have success. Where oh yeah, but again, but if you take a another goal in the league. And let's let's say Varlamov without this defense from good goalie. What makes him elite is because the Islanders, when they play their lockdowns, he's a good goalie outside the system. He struggled in Colorado, but look where Colorado is dealing with. Before. Of course, he leaves Colorado. Look at their defense now. The defense wasn't particularly amazing in front of Varlamov when he was in Colorado, but you look at it now, and with the Islanders' defense, their goaltenders do not have to be elite. Vasilevsky is a you know they should cherish that in Tampa because again. They could put a cone in that, and they probably win more often than they lose because their defense is so good. They don't need a luxury like that. Look at the Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars had a Vasilevsky in net last year. Did they win the cup? They might. Kadovin is what he was. I mean, he, he's a backup in this league. He gets he gets a paycheck. Bishop's still hurt. He plays. He's a starter. Well, he's not an elite goaltender, but what got them so far is he was playing to an elite level for a while, yeah. and then he fell off. So the Islanders don't need elite goaltending and goal to win a cup. It's because their defense is such a juggernaut defense when it's on. Again, it all comes back to can the defense translate into offense? And that's where you have your issues. You look at these standings and the Islanders, I think it's very important. If the Islanders could find a way, which is going to be 
so tough to get home ice advantage because they are not lost a game in regulation on home ice. Now the crowd, the crowd will be coming back tomorrow at 10% capacity. That probably adds a boost. And if they can have a uh, 50% capacity or whatever it's going to be in the playoffs, I mean, that place is going to be rocking the last season ever at NASCAR. Team. Officially, they've had their, they've come back. This is it. If they could have home ice advantage and play in front of that crowd, it is such a hard place for opponents to play. Even without, we're seeing without a crowd how hard it is. They are so comfortable on home ice. But on the road, you said they're, they're not been great on the road. <coughs> they haven't been terrible on the road. They're just not yep. as dominant as they are at home. And that's a luxury that the Islanders really would need, especially with the loss they've had with Lee. Just to find a way to stay relevant in a, in a top spot to get home ice would be crucial. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to fold it up if they don't get home ice advantage. But it is definitely a, a luxury they, they really need to have. You want to hear a crazy stat? Sure. Ilya Sorokin has only faced 46 high-danger shots on goal this whole season so far. Exactly. So it's, that just goes to show. And Varlamov has played like a significantly more games than some of the other goalies around him. He's, he's, he's faced like 117. So I think he's faced about 15 to 20 more shots than Shesterkin, who's played seven less games, which just shows just how good the Islanders are defensively. They don't give up anything from the house. One of the games Sorokin played, I'm pretty sure out of the 21 shots he faced, 17 were high danger chances. That's one game. So out of it's yeah. The problem is though, well, he's allowing that's some not, stuff that's, that's incorrect. Because high danger chances and shots are two different things. You could have a high danger chance and not get a shot. True. That's true. You're right. Yeah, so you gotta look at the shots. But listen. they don't allow much. They don't allow much, and that's why they've been able to be and at I the top. I want to say I'm not knocking Sorokin here by saying that. I'm strictly saying the Islanders defense is that good. That yeah. you can't say they have elite goaltending unless they were facing more. But they don't need it. You just need average goaltending with that system. I'm, I'm not saying they're, they're goaltending yep. elite. I'm just saying that it doesn't have to be. That's I don't. The issue's definitely not there. It's the fact that when given a chance in the slot, players that have like you're about to hear a song. Yeah, it's fine. Kucherov, you know, Kucherov takes a shot from the slot. Twenty times more likely, maybe sixty percent more likely to go into the back of the net instead of Brock Nelson taking a shot. So we will play one final commercial. We'll come back and close the show with little things. Brendan, you want to hit it with the Cortland one? Maybe. Yeah, you should probably do that. SUNY Cortland Sport Management is a proud sponsor of the Backcheck. In the SUNY Cortland Sport Management program, students get hands-on training in sport event management and sport media production. The sport management department is the oldest sports-specific major in New York State and boasts an impressive list of alumni, something me and Brendan know a lot about. To get more info about the program, go to courtland.edu slash SPM or look up Courtland SPMG on your favorite social media. SUNY Courtland Sport Management, where the tomorrow sport industry leaders practice their craft. In the final couple of minutes, Brendan, a few things you want to talk about. One, there was a loss in the hockey world. And while he wasn't an NHL player, Brendan, you lost a player in Russia. And it's a, it was a really, really sad thing to see. I mean, it's an f- absolute freak accident. Uh, he got hit in the face with a dump in and wound up just hitting him just right, I guess. And I mean, 19 year old, 19 years old, and to, to die from a hockey related incident. Condolences go to his family, but let alone his family. How about the, the kid that shot the, the dump in? I mean, that's got to scar you too. So there's, there's a lot that goes on there. His name was Timur Fazutinov. I think I'm saying that somewhat. Correct. I don't want to butcher his name, but rest in peace to him. Uh, crazy, crazy thing. 
fuels a little more of that we should wear cages in, in the NHL and, and leagues, especially at 19 years old, you know, that so what your vision might not be the same. You're not going to die from getting hit in the head with the cage on. So it's going to fuel that. But, hey, uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's a conversation that we don't need to have right now. Now we just got to remember him and mourn him. Yeah, I mean, he was the captain of his team as well. So I just feel bad for his family, his teammates, and just it's tough because, again, if, if he was in the United States, he probably gets the treatment he needs and he's probably alive today and they didn't have the equipment where he was. And it's unfortunate and nothing, no, obviously not getting political here with Russia or whatever. It's just the fact that's that's what it was. I mean, they didn't have the proper stuff to help him. And you just you just feel really badly. Moving on before we end the show, we've talked about in the past how Norris Trophy has really gone – it's never been about the best defenseman in the league. It's been about the best offensive defenseman. And while me and you have our picks, there should be an award, Brendan, for best defensive defenseman. It really should. I, I completely agree. If you're not going to – Drink. I, I know. I said that on purpose. I'm out. Uh, if you're not going to give that award to – like I, the reason that I put this question and proposed it in our today's discussion – is because the NHL released their Norris Trophy votes and Drew Doughty wound up being in that. And he's got 22 points, I think, but nothing blows you away. He's an even rating on the season. He's still a very good defenseman. Is he Norris Trophy capable? I'm not sure. But people tend to go, okay, let's best defenseman. How many points do you have? That's not necessarily the makings of a best, the best defenseman. Somebody like a Ryan McDonough on the Rangers wasn't scoring, but he was playing the top flight pairing, uh, a top flight grouping of the offense every single game and shutting them down. That's a defenseman. So if you're not going to give that, give an offensive and a defensive. Why do offensive players get the Rocket Richard, the Hart Trophy, all, all these different trophies, Ted Lindsay Award? Where, where's the defensive one? Give the best offensive defenseman, best defensive defenseman. What did you want to call the award? Oh, I, I think it should be called the Bobby Orr Memorial Trophy, at least for the best offensive defenseman, and then Norris for the best defensive. I'm pretty sure Bobby Orr won the, the Norris eight consecutive times. Yeah, I mean, when, when you think about the best offensive defenseman of all time, his name's always going to come up, so why not give him – like it's time he should be honored, right, with an award. Yeah. So why not give the best offensive defenseman in the NHL the Bobby Orr Memorial Trophy? So after watching what Victor Copyright Hedman can do, <laughs> yeah. uh, after watching what Hedman can do in the playoffs, specifically against the Islanders and his offensive awareness, and he's a, he's a forward. He's legit. Plays like a forward. He jumps in on the play. He, he's on the goal he, line sometimes. He's good defensively too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a great choice. Carlson's another good choice. It's going to be, I think, a one-two finish with them. Petrie's been good. I don't think Hughes can do it because that team's so piss poor defensively. So yeah. Uh, he's not going to win it. Uh, but if we're doing best defensive defenseman, uh, Jacob Slavin's always up there, just so good with his stick. McDonough, who I just mentioned, uh, there's a lot of defensive defensemen who fly under the radar. And I look at the whole Islanders defensive unit. Exactly, I, that's not a perfect that, team. Not that any of them would be up for the Bobby. I mean, I'm not going to be biased. Pelik's an unreal defenseman. I mean, most of their defensemen don't get talked about at all. Pelik, Pulak. They've been, they've been great. Pulak has zero goals in the year. Zero. But he has been unreal defensively. But he won't get the benefit of the doubt because this is a league based on offense. Uh, everyone's a, It's all about offense. So a guy like Pulak, who should be scoring more than he is, he's hit the post, he's sent so many posts and bars along to my R, it's not even funny. But he hasn't scored. And that's, that's where you're coming to, everyone wants to see goal scorers. And if you're on defense, they want you to score. 
But if we're talking defensive defensemen, Pelik and Pulak should be in the conversation. They won't be, but they really should be. But I agree, though. Slave is another. He's so under under the radar type of guy. He just does his job every night. And he might not stand out every night, but that's the whole point. If you're playing really strong defensively, you shouldn't stand out. Because you're just doing your job. The, you keep the play flowing. You make some big-time plays, and you create it to offense. But, it, it, like you know, we'll bring in uh, one question here before we end the show. Or statement, rather. Peter five uh, 5-1-D. It's completely fine the Islanders fly under the radar. It is good financially because, you know, money-wise, you don't have to have to pay these guys. They're getting that much attention. But also, yeah, They don't fly matter. under the radar. No, for money. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Fans, but it's- fans, fans, media perspective, they do. Yes. NHL teams know who the Islanders are. They know what they have to bring. So you'd rather fly under the radar with them than you would yes. media. But I, I understand the premise. And it's good because it, they do – they do have, but they do have like that, you know, underdog mentality when they play. That's why they're always so hungry. But when the Islanders come to, to business, teams know how good they are. They know that, uh, listen, the Capitals were talking about it, even after the game, the players were getting interviewed. They said it was so important that Samsonov played like that in the first period because we need that first goal against this team. They know what they're about. Oh. It, it, it's, it's crazy. It, it's just so, so hard to beat them when you're behind, and every team knows that. So, yes, media perspective, they don't get talked about nearly enough for how good they are this year. And last year, for that matter, but <laughs> but the player team wise, they're they're known. They're not flying under the radar anymore. Not when you got that man behind the bench. So we have hit seven o'clock. I know, Brendan, you want to get so excited to watch your Rangers play the play the fly your Hartford Wolf Pack leading Rangers play the Flyers tonight. So everyone that did play along, hopefully you're a little uh, you know you get up from your seat right now and you fall over a little bit. That that'd be great. And, you know, let us know in our DMs how, how drunk you got. Probably not that much, but um, normal. You're normal. Well, you were drinking, <laughs> you were drinking water. You were drinking water the whole time. Anyway, so <laughs> thanks everybody for for tuning in. We will have a great guest on our next episode. We'll release that soon. It is a someone who covers the Flyers because the Rangers play the Flyers. Islanders play the Flyers this weekend. Great talk with him. On we got another great guest coming on after that as well too. Yeah, it'll, we'll release all that information in the in the coming days. Thanks everybody that tuned in. Enjoy your St. Patrick's Day. Oh, you got a tat, yes. You got a tat. I need to show it off once, but come on. You got to give me a little segue here. Now you make me look like I can't speak and I am drunk. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.